Christmas Eve is coming up, and this is the last thing I want to draw your attention to, is um, Paul did an awesome job of printing out these little cards, and we kept them super incognito on purpose so that you'd have to scan the back. Um, but there is enough information to where it's Christmas Eve Eve is when we're going to have our service, um, and that's where we're going to light this fifth candle. And um, that's where the whole idea of a candlelight service comes from in when you have candlelight services as Christmas, um, except a lot of churches just don't do the previous candles leading up to that candlelight service. Um, but the Christ candle is what we light, and uh, we're going to have it Christmas Eve Eve since we rent this facility. Um, Generation's generous enough to allow us to use the space, um, but they are going to have a Christmas Eve service, and we just didn't want to have to compete with all of the stuff that's going on there, and so we said, let's go Christmas Eve Eve, because it'll be different, it'll be unique, and then you guys can spend Christmas Eve with your families. But it just gives us opportunity to gather, and it's going to be at 6 o'clock because we recognize Christmas Eve Eve. Some of you might still be working till 5-ish. Um, so we just said 6 o'clock, Christmas Eve Eve, and that's a Thursday. Correct? Yeah, it's a Thursday because Christmas Eve is Friday and Christmas is a Saturday, which is crazy. It's wild, huh? Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, and I would encourage you to pass these out to your family, friends, people that um, you believe would uh, gain value from being here with us and gathering with us. Um, if you don't believe that they would gain value, then don't invite them. <laughs> but if you do, um, it'd be a good thing. So um, let's dig in. If you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, break them out. Uh, all the passages today will be in the digital bulletin if you want to dig into that. Um, but we're going to be talking about this concept of joy. And uh, we've been talking about kind of the heaviness of Christmas season and how sometimes Advent and the season can be challenging for people. Um, and maybe you're sitting in that seat and you're thinking, uh, yeah, this is a difficult season for me. Um, but maybe this is a really joyful and exciting and uh, really uh, life-giving season for you. And you're like, I love it. Um, we want to acknowledge that the both ends of that spectrum exist right? Um, and so when we talk about joy and when we talk about um, these different topics, um, I recognize that we all come from different backgrounds and different things that we deal with. And I recognize also the season as you gather with family, it brings up a lot of issues and it can create a lot of tension um, or unmet expectations, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, and uh, one pastor I listened to phrased it this way. He says that many of us live with a low-grade fatigue. Maybe you can relate to that, um, or chronic anxiety that rarely, if ever, goes away. And, and I would just acknowledge that, and as I mentioned earlier, that this season can go by so fast and become just a blip on the radar and then gone. And my prayer is that if that is your place right now and that's your, your, your place in life or you're wrestling with some things or some challenges that you're facing, my prayer is that this season would be time to slow down. Um, the reason we have these, um, these celebrations and these things on the Christian calendar is to reorient us to something outside of ourselves and outside of the routine and the norm to go, okay, let's talk about what, is, what does it mean to have hope? What does it mean to have peace, joy, love, and really like dig into those things um, in a meaningful way. So, um, so that's my prayer um, and what we do. Uh, last week, I just want to kind of like build on last week because each one of these themes kind of piggybacks on one another. Um, and uh, last week, I brought up Matthew 11, 
which I think I threw on the screen, um, but it really points to like how these themes really begin to take root in our lives um, as we follow Jesus. And what Jesus says is he goes, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Are you tired of everything that's going on? He says, come to me. He says, get away and you'll recover your life. And he says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I believe that that's what these themes, when we really start to understand these four themes that point to Jesus, um, as those become central to our lives, that's following Jesus. That's the rhythms that he's inviting us into. So I hope that these rhythms become real. And so we're going to talk about joy. Um, And so let's start out with the reality of it. Um, Like I mentioned, it can be challenging. um, But I think the real reason that um, for many of us, this joy concept can seem kind of distant um, is because it gets wrapped in the concept of feeling, okay? So maybe you've heard this distinction, but joy is not happiness, okay? So joy is not connected to a feeling. It's not, I feel great, so therefore I'm joyous, which it's always been, like I'm sure in our vocabulary, we use it that way. But when you talk about biblical joy, when we talk about what Jesus is, is inviting us into, is a joy that's not based on our circumstances, okay? Um, forgive the title, but I just went with like the cheesiest thing because it is the most fitting thing and it captures in three words <laughs> exactly what happens. And you've probably heard this. That's why you're laughing. Um, presence over presence. And you guys probably already know what I mean by that. Um, So I'm going to unpack that a bit, but I believe that that is the truth in what we experience in joy, true joy, not joy that's based on our circumstances. And what we see here is, um, again, this this confusion that joy is tied to pleasure or somehow um, the the circumstances that go on around us, Um, but happiness can be achieved on your own power, right? You could go buy something right now that could make you happy, whatever it is. Name your drug of choice, food of choice, um, whatever, car, whatever, house. You could figure out how to buy any of that kind of stuff to create happiness. Joy, and just make this, this distinction right off the bat, joy is not reliant on other people, and it's not relying on what you have around you. Okay? I know it's just like, boom. That's very basic, simple, but it doesn't require your relationships with people to be aligned in a certain way. It doesn't require your finances to be aligned in a certain way. It doesn't require any of that. And I'm sure this is stuff you've probably heard, and you're going, yeah, I know that. But how do I achieve that? How do I get into that place? So we're going to look at some passages that, um, that I think point to why we celebrate Jesus and why there is joy, great joy that we've been singing about, that Matt brought up these beautiful passages about Mary and how she's responding out of joy, um, and, and begin to see how that begins to point to our lives here and now, okay? Um, so John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us, talking about Jesus. Uh, We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I bring up this verse because this is what we're celebrating. We're celebrating Jesus becoming flesh and blood. 
That's when we light that candle. That's why we celebrate that candle. Um, but the very last couple words in there, uh, full of grace and truth. And so when we talk about truth, our world tells us that joy is based on, again, I'm just going to keep repeating it throughout this whole entire sermon, um, it's not dependent on our circumstances. It's not dependent on the physical world that we live in. And that's why when he talks about truth, what he brings is an insight into something that our world tells us, you're going to be happy if, go ahead and fill in your blank, just in your mind right now. Like, what does the world tell you? You'll be happy if you have money, all kinds of possessions, whatever, like physical health, all these things. The world's going to tell you you need all these things. You have to have them in order to be happy. What Jesus invites us into this truth that is so much bigger, so much more powerful. And here's the, tr- the, like, the challenge I have as a pastor is to communicate that in a way that makes sense. Because I've heard these messages over and over many times and been like, yeah, yeah, I, I love joy. I'm all about that. And yeah, I want to experience it. But every year I start to get a little closer to understanding it a little bit more and going, no, it, it really isn't reliant on the things that I'm surrounded by the things that I have. It really isn't, my joy isn't based on my circumstances. So let's dig into that truth a little bit more. So Matthew 1, 18 um, gives us the birth story of Jesus and we're going to see a little bit more of this. So this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He was like, he's confused. He's like, what just happened? My wife's, or my, my, my wife-to-be is pregnant and I had nothing to do with this. Like, imagine that situation. Like, this is, it's mind-blowing. It doesn't even make sense. But here's what it goes on. It says, but after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Okay, that must have just been so confusing, right? To hear that and to have that like just thrown upon you and like, are you kidding me? Um, that would have been wild. So he goes on and says, um, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the prophet, that prophet is Isaiah and that prophet was 740 ish years ago prior to Jesus showing up on the scene. There's other prophets that have spoken about Jesus coming Um, which if you want to dig into that, that's a fun thing to get into. I just don't have time for it, but I would encourage you to do that. Um, But what he does is he says, you're going to give him this name, Emmanuel. And when they talk about a name in the Old Testament, um, this wouldn't have been an actual name like Nathaniel, um, but it was more of like, this is the kind of person he will be. Okay. Emmanuel. The kind of person that Jesus will be is what? God with us. And that simple truth that maybe you've heard a million times at Christmas season, I hope has more impact because I think that is what brings joy, okay? That's the crux of this whole thing. So in Luke 2.10, this is a passage that we read a little bit as we were worshiping, um, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for some people, for all people, for everyone. Um, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Okay. This great news isn't him saying it's going to be great news because everyone's going to have endless cash flow, perfect health, and everything's going to work out beautifully. No, he says the great news is the fact that Messiah has come and he's come to be uh, to born to you, to be God with you, to show you how to live life the best possible way. And that's why I read Matthew 11 again to start out, is he says, come to me, all you who are weary, right? So what G- in Jesus is this God saying, I want to be with you guys. Like, I want to show you how to live life with true joy that isn't dependent on circumstances. There's me saying again, you can get like a dollar every time I say that, okay? Because I'm going to say it about 50 times by the time we hit 1130. It's like, he's constantly just like teaching us. He's like, I'm going to give you these truths, these ways that I created you to live that are going to be so life-giving when you begin to center life around it. It's going to bring joy because you're going to be so wrapped up in it. So the context that Jesus comes into the world is chaos, right? Just thinking through Joseph's response is like, you kidding me? Like, we got to basically go in hiding. Like, like I got to marry her so this doesn't look weird. Like, he even contemplates, like, should I just bail on her, right? Because he's like, should I just divorce her? Like, imagine the thoughts that are going on there and the chaos that's going on. And then even the chaos that exists in that culture of being basically run by Rome, which is a military force that basically told people to live how they wanted them to live, right? A military force that wouldn't allow the kind of freedom that they would ultimately want to have. And so the context that Jesus comes into this world is chaos. And so in the beginning, I mentioned that like for many of us, like it's not always convenient to celebrate Christmas. It's always like it's kind of difficult sometimes. And sometimes our, our spirit isn't in that place of like, yay, joy, go Christmas, love Jesus. You know, we're like, I'm kind of wrestling some stuff and I got some difficult things in my life and I don't really want to celebrate. But that's the same context that Jesus came into, right? He didn't come into a context where everybody's happy, everything's good. And he's like, I'm going to come and bring new life. He's like, I see that things are difficult and challenging. I want to step into that and I want to show you how to, how to live this life. I want to show you how to experience life to the full. Um, Stress and anxiety exist in our lives when there's unmet expectations, right? When things don't go the way that we want them to go. That's when we start to stress out. That's when we start to experience anxiety. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph, in that moment, there was some stress, there was some anxiety. There's probably some confusion going like, what's going on? But as they started to get information about what is unfolding, as they began to be informed a little bit more by the angels, Holy Spirit speaking to them, they started to go, okay, God is unfolding something crazy. And that prayer that Matt threw up there of Mary just going, this is going to transform the world, not by resources, not by more money, not by more stuff. It's going to transform the world by transforming hearts, by transforming lives. Like God's kingdom is coming here on earth. And it's going to just, it's going to do this amazing thing. And that's what brought joy to her, right? That's the joy that she received in that message. 
So God's presence, just the fact that Jesus was coming and the message and the fulfillment of all the prophecies brought joy to people because they were like, this is going to be God's kingdom. This is going to be a way of living that is going to transform our world. I've personally experienced this joy um, more and more, as I mentioned, every season as I begin to live into it further and further and understand it just a little bit more. I'm not going to pretend to fully understand it because there's a bit of a mystery to it. But the best way I can describe it is as we begin to open up our lives to joy, this kind of joy that Jesus invites us into, it's kind of like a road sign as we go along the five freeway. We've all driven on the five freeway. We know what it looks like. But if you've ever driven on a road where you you aren't sure if you're on the right road, what tells you if you're on the right road? The signage, right? The signage on the road. There's Hopefully there's signs or Google Maps is telling you, keep going, you know, another three blocks and then turn right. I believe that like as we encounter joy in our relationship with God, it becomes something that we kind of like roadsides on a road. And we start to see it every now and then and we go, okay, that was it. That was contentment despite my circumstances. And you've probably been there where you've been like, things are chaotic, but somehow God has given me a sense of joy or a sense of peace in the middle of this that I can keep going, right? And so I say that because joy isn't always going to be something that we experience as Christians 24-7 as something where we're like, yay, I'm excited about God, you know, like just jumping up and down. But there's going to be moments where joy sets in in the midst of chaos or in the midst of challenge and you have a sense of peace and you go, okay, God's here. Emmanuel, God with us, and I can keep going through this, right? That's what Jesus is continually doing, is showing us that, like, we can trust him. And um, Scott Erickson has this Advent guide that we've, we went through two years ago, and I still read it, and I still try and go through it every year. Um, but he points out this beautiful conversation between Mary um, and the angel, and there's some complexity and some nuance that happens um, between this idea of joy and happiness. So check this verse out. It's in Luke uh, 128. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That seems like a, just a throwaway line, but what the angel tells her is, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the craziness, the thing that he tells her to reassure her is the Lord is with you, not the other millions of things that we would probably fill it in with. Like the Lord's going to provide financially with a 401k and you'll be good and everything's going to be good here. Like we'll make sure that baby Jesus has like good health care and all, none of that. Like the Lord is with you. It was just, let me reassure you, the Lord is with you. And here's her response. Check this out. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So this is, I bring this up because I think there's a process and here's the nuance of like discovering joy. It's like we have to begin to step into it. We have to begin to journey on that road and begin to go, okay, I'm going to trust that God is with us in the middle of my chaos and that I can begin to find hope in the middle of that. So again, this is very difficult to try and convey like the difference between joy and happiness but I believe that when we, when we enter into a relationship, when we just take that initial step of faith into Jesus, there starts to be this thing of like, okay, I can have joy in the midst of my challenge. That doesn't make sense. It won't make sense. It'll never make sense to anybody on the outside looking in. 
until you step into it, even me trying to articulate it is almost impossible, I would think. Until you step into it and go, okay, yeah, I know what it's like to know that God is with me 24-7. Because I don't know the circumstances that you're in on a daily basis or the thing that you're dealing with right now. I've never been through that, but you are going through it. But here's the beautiful thing. God says over and over throughout Scripture, I'm with you, Emmanuel. He tells Mary here, like, I'm with you. Like, I'm journeying with you. Um, That promise that the Lord is with you is the thing that then begins to transform us, to move us from happiness to joy, to move us from, like, contentment, um, dependent on finances or whatever's going on around us, to just joy regardless. Joy, period. That's it. Just joy all the time. And you've probably met those people that in the midst of chaos, they're not like, it's not a fake joy. It's not a, yay, I'm so glad I'm going through struggles right now. It's awesome. They're just, they have a sense of peace that says, I know that God's with me. I'm going to keep journeying. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep seeking God's face and trying to figure out how to solve this and work through this and navigate it. But there's a contentment that they have in the midst of it. You've probably seen people like that. I've seen them. And so I know it exists. I know it's real. And so I want to continue to chase after it and and lean into it more and more. Um, I got this random thing going on in my household where my kids are scared to go into their room. Do you guys remember ever being scared of a certain part of your house? Yeah? Just a couple of the basement? Okay. Anybody else? Outside at night? Like, my kids, like, we have a very short hallway. It's literally probably like 12 feet long. And then it goes into another bedroom, and Malia is scared to be in a room by herself. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, go with me to like, if she needs to like go get something out of her room. I'm like, huh? And sometimes she forgets about it, and she's totally cool, and she goes back there and plays and does her thing. But at night, for some reason, she's like, can you come tuck me in? And like, she's scared to be back there. And I was like, what? what? Where does that come from? Why is that? But there's a comfort in knowing that I'm with her. So if I walk back there with her, everything's totally cool. And I try and like rationalize it to her. I'm like, no one can get in through this part of the house. Like there's no doors. There's just windows. She's like, yeah, but what if someone broke all the windows? I'm like, you would know. You'd see the glass everywhere, you know? Like I'm trying to rationalize it. And she's just like, mm-mm, still, I'm a little scared to be by myself, you know? And I think it's just the fact that she's by herself so far away from everyone else. And I think that, I don't think that's something we grow out of. I think as adults, we still have that at times. I think we still have that fear that like, I'm on my own. I don't know how I'm going to get through this, how I'm going to survive this scenario, this situation, get through this financial disaster, whatever, or this relationship. Like many of you could probably relate to that. Like I can relate. Like relationships, sometimes you're like, I don't know how this is going to end, how this is going to work out, how this is going to solve it. But when you feel like you're by yourself, it seems impossible. But when you understand that the Lord is with you, there's something different. And I think that, again, is something I can't tell you, I can't force on you. You have to, you have to own it and go, okay, God is with me. I truly believe that God is with me in this journey, in this challenge, in this difficulty. The Lord is with you. And that's like the, I think the thing that I just want to convey this morning is that when we talk about joy, again, it's not our circumstances. It's based on knowing that the Lord is with you. 
and I, I know this is like a almost like an elementary like level like teaching where it's like God's with you, you know, and you're like, uh huh, cool. But until we truly believe that and we it sinks into our soul, it's not going to take impact. It's not going to be something where we find joy in the midst of of sorrow, in the midst of challenge, um, and. I just, I hope that disconnect can become a reality that, or be removed. (laughs) Um, That the reality becomes something that sinks in deeper. Um, I think we do the same thing continually with God where we we feel like he's distant. We feel like he's not here with us, but he is. Psalm 511 sums up this beautifully. You're going to see it throughout scripture. Now that I've told you about it, you'll start to see it. You'll start to see how people interacted with God and how they found joy. Um, but check this out. It says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And I don't know if you notice the first part is like take refuge. The only time you take refuge is if you feel like you're getting beat up, like you're getting thrashed by an army or by the world or by your circumstances, whatever it is. But he says, all those who take refuge find joy. Um, let them sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. And that's the key thing is like, as we begin to love God's name, as we begin to find hope in him solely, there's something that happens. And again, I can't articulate it always. It's not gonna like, it's just a difficult thing to articulate because it is it isn't like I can just give you a list of things to do and then suddenly you're joyful. It's based on our relationship with God and that when our relationship with God becomes so deeply connected, there is a joy that supersedes all of life, that supersedes circumstances. So one observation that I want to close with and then I want to give you guys, um, give us uh, some tangible ways to begin to live into this is um, there's a conversation I had that I've been having for a long time with a lot of different people, but my buddy Jimmy, and I hope he listens to this podcast and digs into it, um, but he brought this great question that a crew of people that he was hanging out with that were outside of what we would consider like the church realm, um, he was like, I was hanging out with them for an evening and it was so welcoming and so joyful and so fun and and it was like, why isn't the church like that? And maybe you've had these questions. And as people deconstruct their faith in Christianity, when they're like, I don't know if I believe all this, this is one of the biggest questions that they ask, is why is the world and the communities that I hang out with sometimes outside of church more loving and more inclusive, more, you know, everything? Fill it in. They're more joyful, right? Don't use that word incorrectly. They're happier um, in their circumstances than within the church walls. And here's how I wrestle with it. And here's kind of the thing that um, I think sometimes we leave out. When you are in those kind of communities, because if you want to fill in your blank, like for me, it's a dive community. I love hanging out with this dive club that I hang out with. We meet once a month on Fridays. Loving community. They're awesome. It's just like all kinds of people from all walks of life. And it's, it's a very welcoming community. We have fun. It's awesome. Um, it's also at a brewery. So maybe it has more fun for that reason. Um, but the... The one thing that is different between those communities, so maybe it's a derby community, maybe it's a, a you know, community that you play sports with, that you run with, whatever, uh, fill in your blank. Um, the difference between those communities and the church community is often those spaces you avoid reality. You avoid the real conversations of life is what I've discovered. That if I brought up 
in my dive club, my deepest challenges with my family members or whatever, they'd be like, yeah, let's not talk to that guy again, right? Um, if I brought up all those true challenges in those communities, they'd be like, yeah, he's, he's kind of a Debbie Downer to be around. Like, let's not talk to him. You thought about that? So like those communities are great because it's all fun and it's all based around having fun. But the moment you bring in these challenges, the realities of life, the difficulties that we face, often, I'm not saying always, but often that's pushed aside, right? You don't talk about politics and you don't talk about what? Religion. <laughs> as soon as those are involved, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then there's division. And then the community is like, that's not a fun place to be around. I'm not going to hang out with them on Friday night anymore. Um, so I hope that creates a little bit of a distinction that what we begin to see here is that what truly matters in our lives is not avoided in church. What truly matters in our lives is not avoided by God. What God says is, I'm with you. Emmanuel, God with us, that he says, I am with you. I want to be with you in all of these things. And so I believe that in those circumstances, um, sure, alcohol is involved. So of course, we're going to have a good time and be happy. Um, But also, I think the realities of really what's going on a lot of times are avoided. And so it's this very like kind of facade kind of thing going on. And what I see here in church is that we can face these things. What Jesus comes in and says is we can begin to engage in these beautiful ways. And so we want to close with this challenge. Let's begin to be the kind of presence that emulates that joy. And so if we want to be the kind of people this season that emulate that joy, it's going to require us to then step out and say, regardless of my circumstances, I'm going to love someone. I'm going to begin to bring joy to this, um, this relationship um, because it might be challenging, it might be difficult, it might be heavy. But what Jesus does, he says, I'm with you. So therefore, I want you to reflect that with other people. Go be with them. And it's not going to require you buying gifts. And so I linked in a video that you guys can watch later. But um, the reason I named this presence over presence is that it's not about our circumstances. It's not about what we buy people. It's about the time you spend with them. And so what I want to just challenge us to is as we begin to celebrate this season, as we move into this season even more, find time to maybe share a meal with somebody. Um, do something that is meaningful, that begins to emulate true joy regardless of circumstances. And so it might be sharing a meal, it maybe writing someone a letter, um, going to walk, skate, swim, whatever, like fill in your own blank there. Um, but random acts of kindness, step into areas where you can begin to be a loving person that emulates this joy that isn't dependent on circumstances. Um, so hopefully I racked up enough joy, not based on circumstances phrase, phrases, um, that we can begin to understand that we can have this true joy and we can share that with people. We can begin to be the people that reflect Jesus coming into our world and saying, I am with you. Same way God says, I'm with you, you can be with others and begin to share that joy. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy that you bring to our lives and uh, help us to begin to see and discern the ways that we sometimes put joy based on our circumstances, based on the, the resources that we have or don't have. Um, and, and just help us just to really wipe that away and begin to really center around the fact that you bring us joy 
all the time, contentment regardless of circumstance. And so help us to live into that as a community, as a church. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen. As always, if you need some time to sit, um, just to reflect, um, Matt will be playing a little bit. But if you want to go back, grab some coffee, greet somebody. Um, I'm going to use this question of like, how can you give presence instead of presence? The cliche phrase. Um, uh, how can you begin to do that this season? Just give one little example if you can. Um, it'd be cool to hear from each other. Like maybe there's a creative way that you can do that for others in this season. So grace and peace.